everyone. Welcome back to the Invader Sports Soccer Show. Today, it's myself, Adam, and Joe. What's up, fellas? How you doing? All good. How are you? How are we doing, Better. Dan? Better good. Now. Thanks for uh, carrying the show last week. I was way too exhausted, and you guys did a great job. Uh, how was that, doing that uh, on your own for the first time? Did you enjoy it? Yeah, it I was felt good. like we had a good time. Yeah, I've missed your American flavor, but <laughs> yeah, but, but no, no, it was good. It was good chat. So a, a couple of my friends that are uh, big soccer fans, um, I keep trying to get them on, and they're so intimidated by you guys because they listen. They they, they listen, and okay. they're like, "Hey guys." They're like, I wouldn't be able to keep up with those guys. I'm like, yeah, but they're not ass. They're not assholes. They're not gonna like make fun of you. So well, some of us aren't. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so you let's... Luke talks about Tiago. Give him a <laughs> give him some words of encouragement. So Matt and David and Justin, come Man, on, Dave, mate, come on, come on yeah, the get... pod. Speak if all, some if all three of them come on, they'll outnumber us anyway. So yeah, yeah, and and the uh, the variety of fanship is actually pretty cool. So uh matt is a man city fan so they don't get much they don't get much yeah. love on this on this show so how long has he been a man city fan for uh three Since or four 1983? years three or four years oh yeah oh he's <laughs> the worst get a bit of stick for that you'll get a bit of stick for that oh he's the worst he actually when so because me and my friend justin were you know big fans of the epl at work and he was like oh i want to get in it was actually the last world cup so yeah, like four years ago, when when France won. Yeah. So af- after that World Cup, he started doing some research, and he picked Man City because they scored the most goals the year before. <laughs> Typical Man City fan. Yeah. But uh, I will give him credit. Like he does actually watch the games now. So it's 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 a little bit suspect on the way he picked them, but he actually does care. But. It's annoying because they are a very annoying club. And then we have Dave as a Liverpool fan and Justin is a Tottenham fan. So I think it'd be interesting interesting to get them on. Yeah. I think it'd be be good for, because doesn't Tottenham have a match coming up against Arsenal? Yeah. 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 In May. Third to last game of the season. Oh, in May. All right. Yeah. I'll try to convince them for that because that actually might be, a huge game when it comes to who, who yeah. gets fourth fourth place. Yeah, well, that, very that's big. why it was the it was one of the games that got um, postponed due to COVID, um, like beginning of the year around the Christmas time, and then you started to see all, all the different fixtures started to get like uh, all the games that had been postponed started to get sorted out, um, like in terms of getting the games in, make sure they'd been played, and there was that Spurs Arsenal game that was just being held and held, and you know conspiracy theory slash fact is that the the tv channel uh so sky sports i think have a show in that game they were withholding putting that date because they wanted to see how this top four race went to then put it right towards the back end of the season oh wow they 100 did that and they they know how hostile it will be as well at that tottenham ground because it's the first game where fans have been in the new tottenham stadium uh, for Spurs Arsenal because last time we did it I believe it was COVID and then before that was when they were at Wembley when they was having their stadium done so that will be a hostile game I, I've i blocked off the whole weekend to do absolutely nothing 
let me let me ask you. So when I was in London, it, it just went so fast. I didn't get to see nearly as much as I wanted to. I was only there for two and a half days, but I wanted to go and check out as many stadiums as I could. What is that Tottenham Stadium like? One, have you, have you guys been inside of it ever? I've yeah. been in it together. Yeah, we went last year to watch the uh, NFL game. Oh, yeah? Um, What's it yeah. like? It's, uh, to be fair, um, it is probably... And I was there the year before as well to watch a previous NFL game or, or a couple of years ago. Um, like, at the moment, it is that I used to think that Emirates was the best stadium in the, in the country, but it's basically an Emirates 2.0. It's it's just the most modern stadium, um, you know. That's what I'll give. I don't give Spurs a lot of credit, but the only credit I'll give them is that they've got, you know, they've got a world class manager, a world class stadium, but just the team is just the one that is the bit that is lacking. You know, beautiful stadium. I don't know what you thought, Joe. Yeah, super modern stadium. Once you get past the smell, um, it's just What's the, the stadium. Like? <laughs> I'm joking because uh, it's the Spurs stadium. Oh, okay, okay. Um, it, yeah, you know, it's a beautiful modern stadium. They've got no trophies, but they've got the longest bar in Europe. So it is, oh. it is a beautiful stadium. I can't lie. It was nice to, well, not to visit there, but it was nice to be in that stadium. The audio, I remember when me and Ads went there um, at like the halftime show thing, they had a rapper called H in the UK come out. And the audio was terrible. Every time the bass went off, it was just, so that needs to be fixed. But apart from that, you know, nice yeah. modern stadium. It reminds me of when the Dallas Cowboys built their new stadium. That was like revolutionary of how big it was. And they they have a big screen in it's it's hanging over the field. Yeah. And it basically goes for like the entire 100 yards. It's this huge screen and it's like a 360 view, too. So whatever side you're sitting on you you can see that and it's don't they it's have a thing with um the sunset there's something to do with like the sun shining in or something at one of the corners of the stadium yeah a, a couple a couple stadiums do that and they also have uh what's a new trend is some some places have retractable roofs in the mm. nfl so say it's like the arizona cardinals have it right in in arizona it can get really hot like 120 degrees Fahrenheit crazy uh, it can get super hot so when it's like that they close it uh but you know another cool thing that Arizona did there's a lot of cool uh like revolutions when it comes to building stadiums and and things you can do so check this out the Cardinals they have the actual grass that they use because a lot of a lot of places use turf and some places still use actual grass. The Eagle Stadium still uses actual grass. And there's a complaint among athletes saying that turf causes injuries because, like, the way you cut uh, with your feet, like, it, it could cause uh, a tears or something like that. So the Arizona Cardinals took this into consideration so much. They take care of that field so much. It's on wheels. It's- <laughs> The stadium opens up, and when they're not when they're not playing, they drive the entire field out. In similar to the Spurs one, so that that's like the Spurs yeah. stadium. So, so oh, when, really? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. So when Spurs were when they were building the new stadium, Spurs had to play at Wembley for like two seasons, 
and obviously um NFL have also got their own contracts with, with Wembley to play there. So there was a couple of times and, you know, it got mean and it was sort of quite embarrassing. Actually, I think it was a, a United Spurs game, actually, which was the one where it was highlighted and you're like, this pitch is unplayable where on the Sunday, the NFL players you obviously had their NFL game. And then on the Wednesday, it was like Spurs United and the pitch had just been absolutely um, torn up due to the, due to the NFL game. Um, so now when Spurs built their new stadium, obviously because they've spent like a billion pounds on the stadium, they need to like find ways to recoup that money. That's why they do like boxing matches, concerts, and they've also now got their own partnership with the NFL. But obviously they can't be having that pitch stuff. So they've again got like two or three pitches underneath each other. Maybe it's just two. But basically when it comes to the NFL, they just wheel out one pitch and then replace it with the NFL pitch. Yeah, I think the parking lot or car park like the pitch goes into the car park yeah. when it's not being used and then it comes back out again. It, it, there's a video on YouTube. You can watch a time-lapse of it. It's actually really interesting. Isn't that crazy? Crazy. Like, yeah. That's out of control. So there's, you know, something similar like that in uh, American sports. A, a lot of times if a team has an NHL team and an NBA team, they, they share a stadium. And I've seen the process uh, happen because I used to work at the uh, the one in Philly. So on on the the base level is like concrete, and it has drains in it. And then when the Flyers when the when the ice hockey team is playing, they fill it up with water and freeze it, and it stays frozen for the entire season. And then when the Sixers when the basketball team plays, they put the court on top of the ice. So it's like a very common thing for teams that have both sports, but I've seen them change that over. Cause sometimes they play in the same day in the same stadium. And those guys switch that over within like a half an hour. It's insane how they can do that. Yeah. But there was actually uh, one time it went wrong where the, the ice was, the residue was showing up on the court. So they actually had to cancel an NBA game because it was too slippery because someone messed up with the temperature. So it was like melting and causing the court to be slippery. So they had to cancel the game. So that's crazy. That's mental. Yeah. All right. Little, little talk on stadiums there. Stadiums fascinate me though. Like the, the things that like the modern stuff that uh, people are trying, but then you obviously have places like Anfield that, will never get, you know, demolished. It'll, it, they'll just keep adding to it. Uh, oh. And uh, by the way, Adam, what, what are your thoughts on the addition? Yeah, so they obviously, they built the, I'm going to get it wrong now, but I can't, uh, obviously got the Kenny Dugleach, Kenny Dugleach stand. I thought it was the, where we sat when we, when we were at the game. No, but, so we were, we were on the Anfield Road end. Yeah, that's, I thought which that's is what they're going to build on now. Yeah, sorry. So they built the Kenny Dugley stand. Okay. And now, now it's yeah the end. I believe the Anfield Road end that they're going to build on. I mean, it's probably the only solution they've got apart from knocking down the stadium, which you can't, you can't a, do that, right? No, you never know though. 20, 30 years, it might end up happening because you know there's only a certain capacity they could get that stadium to and if they ever wanted to get you know Liverpool could very much easily be like an old Trafford and feel like 80 90,000 
people yeah. it, uh, you know I've I was there f- I was at Wembley a few years ago for a pre-season friendly against Barcelona and there were some Barcelona fans but majority went to obviously Liverpool fans for a pre-season friendly they got one of the highest attendances you know Wembley's seen so Liverpool could easily do that but no no it's, I think it's good it's nice to get more I find it hard to get tickets myself so any more seats would be would be great and hopefully get a better atmosphere atmosphere's really good tonight as well but quickly on the stadiums i think the the qatar world cup is going to blow people's minds because if you look at some of the stadiums they've built out there forgetting the the human rights stuff and just focusing on on the footballing aspect there they, they look amazing i think i think there's yeah. even there's hope there's there's football stadiums where like you have vip suites which are basically a hotel room and then yeah. you just open your doors to the hotel room and you're at the stadium i um yeah i, I have something to add on that but real quick before i forget the addition on the Anfield roadside, is it just going to be above where we, we where we were sitting? Is that where it's I, going to be? Yeah, I imagine that it'll be similar to I imagine so, it'll be similar to the the Kenny Dugleach one, or they might just make it um, you know, have to make it just one whole big stand. Um, because the Kenny Dugleach stand is the largest single stand. Yeah. Um, I think in Europe. So I don't know if they're gonna do the same there. I think it's going to take they, them like two, three years to do. Because the, they could just add an, an upper level and just have seats yeah. higher up, you know, because we were like relatively high up and it still felt like we were right on the field. The, yeah. the, didn't, like those seats were so, it, it felt so close. But if you're looking at the seating chart, it, it looked, it's like one of the furthest away and you still feel so close. So that's why it just feels so special there. I, I hope they never knock it down. Yeah. But you never know. Isn't Stanford Bridge getting knocked knocked down? They've spoken about that for like ten years. They they once wanted to take over uh, Battersea Power Station. Uh, it's like quite a famous sort of landmark in London. Um, I think it, it's not working anymore. Power Station. They wanted to destroy that and build a new stadium. Um, that's the thing when you when you when you're dealing with kind of land that's so contested, like yeah. around the Chelsea area, it's so filled up. Yeah, but. If you take in consideration, say, an Old Trafford, it's, there's nothing. I've been there and it's literally just a, an industrial park and then a couple of hotels and then a village, like a, a commercial village, not an actual village. So for an Old Trafford, that'll be easier to knock it down. To be fair, it was quite fascinating how they did it with White Hart Lane because that's quite a heavily built up area. But when you're talking about Chelsea, like Adam said, with the Battersea Power Station, <laughs> that's a bit of... Um, a bit of a difficult task to kind of execute. Yeah. And also what with hap- the new owners, who knows? What happened to White Hart Lane? Did it get knocked down? So they yeah. built, yeah, so there was at one point, it was because White Hart Lane, I believe, is next, basically sort of next to where the, the, the Tottenham Stadium is now. So like one, there was at one point where just one sort of section of a stand was missing while games were being played because they were, they were building the stadium sort of attached to it. And then they just knocked White Hart Lane down. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm not sure what that is. That's probably like flats or something. That's what they keep building but in London. The new Spurs stadium, Dan, when you because me and me and Adam both get the same train line in, and sometimes when you pass the station, it is alien to see this big stadium yeah. just popping out of this big, like, what would you call Tottenham a town? Like, I don't know what, like, mini yeah. city, I guess. But just like a, just There's no skyscrapers. And, yeah. There's no high-rise buildings. It's literally just a giant dome yeah. in the like, middle. Like, it's probably not the suburbs, but imagine just a yeah. stadium. Imagine just a large stadium in the middle of the suburbs. So, so would it kind of be exactly what Anfield was like? Because 
I was no. very well. I was very surprised of how close some houses were to the stadium. It yeah. was crazy how how close they are. Like that blew me away. Yeah, That's not how it is around similar. here. No, so yeah, I mean, a lot of stadiums you go to, like I would say, the majority of stadiums are built around because the the thing with with football and you go back like hundred years, it was such, like a massive community. Yeah. like sort of like thing like you really played like it was part of the community so and also being in england we're a small country so we don't have like the land to just have a stadium old trafford's a bit like you've got old trafford and probably there's there's a couple of others but um like i, I went a couple of months ago to watch rugby in wales at the principality stadium which is i think i, I just had a quick look it's like the third or fourth biggest stadium in, in the uk and that is literally right in the sort of heartbeat of Cardiff uh, centre. I'll tell you what, it, it blows me away how many teams there are. There, there's what? There's four divisions, right? Mm. There's Yes, yeah, so there's 92 clubs. 92 the, clubs. But that, that's just across the Premier League, Championship League, one league two. And then after you get in, after then you go to the, and I can't remember it, but the conference leagues, north, south, conference league thing. it goes to like, down to about nine tiers before you get to like proper semi-professional yeah wow like and, and of those 92 how many would you say are in london um it's got to be gosh. about 15 that's yeah 15, 20 15 20 maybe that's the, wild the, the thing is there's there's like I guess there's ones that are in london and you've got the sort of outskirts of london where you then get into sort of essex and kent areas um, all right i i uh, we're gonna we're gonna get into the liverpool man U match and talk about arsenal in a little bit but uh I, I have a question on on london in particular but before i forget uh, when you guys, what was that 13 Thir- professional 13? football clubs oh, yeah that's that's insane um, all right don't ask us to name them i could probably name maybe like six or seven so when you were talking about White Hart Lane and the New Spurs Stadium being built virtually right next to each other, it reminded me of where the New York Giants and the New York Jets play. So they play at a place called MetLife Stadium, and it is in New Jersey. It's across the bridge from uh, New York City because New York City, there's there's just not enough space for a football stadium. There's just not. Yeah. Like they they have uh, Madison Square Garden where the Knicks and the Rangers play, but that's, you know, it's an arena. It's much smaller. Uh, It probably fits around, I don't know, 20, 20, 25,000 people. So it's much smaller and much more manageable to have something like that. And then the Brooklyn Nets, they have an arena in Brooklyn. Brooklyn's a little bit more wide open than Manhattan, but as far as football goes, like there's just, it's a, it's a hundred thousand some odd seats. There's, there's no room for parking. So the smart move to do is to put it in Jersey. And it's, it reminded me of what you're saying. Uh, old, Tra- old Trafford's like, cause it's just in the middle of nowhere. Like there's nothing around. It's called the Meadowlands. There's nothing <laughs> around. There's just grass and ponds everywhere. So I actually had an internship there, but when they were building the MetLife stadium, the new one, I'm telling you, it was like it was probably like 300 yards away from the corner of the other one. That's how close they they were built together. And um, I'll send you guys a picture of when they before they demolished the old one. 
crazy. It's it was like, how could they possibly like one wrong move and you could you know potentially damage the new stadium when you're de- when mm. you're demolishing the old one. But so I had an internship there. And speaking of cool, cool stadium ideas, they have one of the coolest, most unique ideas I've ever seen. And it also makes them money. So they have four uh, in the four corners of of the stadium. They sold the rights of each corner to a different company. So, you know, Pepsi has one. Uh, I forget the other ones, but it doesn't matter. Verizon, like whatever. There's four different companies. And each of the companies that purchased that lot got to specifically design. They got to hire their own architects and they got to specifically design the clubs how exactly how they wanted. And that is so cool because I work at the Philadelphia Eagle Stadium sometimes and all the clubs look the same. Like it's just... Mm -hmm. It's just the same everywhere. But how smart is that to be like, hey, give us a shitload of money. But what you're going to get from your money is you can design this place however you want. And they were they were all so uniquely different. It felt like you were in a different place every every time you went to a different corner. So it's just so cool. Uh, you know, I, I don't like the Giants because they're a rival of the Eagles, and I'm sure you don't <laughs> like them, Adam, because they're a rival of the Cowboys. But their stadium's really, really cool. It's really cool. But um, also, there's that many teams in London. First off, is it common to, you know, obviously, uh, Joe, you're an Arsenal fan. Adam, you're a Liverpool fan. Is it common to have a rooting interest for a smaller club that you kind of like have have a affiliation for? Uh from my experience, I would say I would say yes. Like for example, so um, my my uncle and cousin are cousin, a couple of cousins are, are Fulham fans. Yeah, um, and they've just been promoted tonight um, as well to yeah. the Premier League. Well, um, they're they're losing uh, Fabio. He's on his way yeah, he's coming. He's coming to us. Yeah, I was watching. I was actually watching Fulham the other day against uh, Derby, and he scored. A, they lost a the game, but he scored a beautiful goal. Is um, he that good? Is he that good? I'm hearing a lot of hype from what I've seen clips, but you can't really judge player on clips. He's a he's a good young player that I, I imagine will break, maybe not into the starting team, but he won't go alone next season. I imagine he'll be with Klopp. Um, well, all, and there's a lot I, of clubs interested in him as well. So. Another all two. I saw, all I saw was clips of Luis Diaz, and he fits yeah. so good, man. Yeah, holy moly! So, so Joe, would you say it's common? Like, do you have a rooting interest for a lower level level club? Yeah, strangely enough, I do. I went to university in like the West Country of England, it's like the West, so it's not London. Um, and I went to a few games of their local club. They currently sit in League One, so that's the third division down um but yeah so i follow them now and then but for me personally because arsenal are a london club i could never i just me personally i can never be affiliated with a london club like ever and especially i could not like there's something in the back of my mind that could never support or like be fond of a club in the premier league it just feels like wrong. So yeah, if I if yeah. I if I semi follow a club that's in League One or League Two, there's not that much chance that Arsenal are ever going to play them. Yeah, that's yeah, that's the thing, right? And that's what I think it is. It's it's never like you're. It's very rare that you'll find someone like 
there's in England that will like support two clubs fully. It's very much like a, I've got my club that I love and yeah. oh, like it's almost like it's tribalism. It's a, yeah, but it's almost like you look at another club like oh, I, I just hope they do well. Like it's nice. I like that club. Um, yeah. So you know, that, like if you want to finish second next season, then I'm all for it. But when Liverpool rock up there, I want to win five six nil. Okay. It reminds me of how in America we have rooting interest in college teams. So, you know, for for soccer players, typically they're playing for an academy at, at what age? Like sometimes when they're like six years old, right? Very young. Yeah. Yeah. So in in America, you you know, you go to high school. That's uh uh, ninth grade to 12th grade and then after that you have to go to college and there's rules they might change the nba one that the, it used to be the case that you could go right from high school to the nba like lebron james he did that kobe bryant did that uh tim duncan a lot of a lot of players did it and it worked out kevin garnett but um that's now there's a rule that you got to go to college for at least one year or you can go play overseas for a year and then you can join the NBA. And uh, for football, you got to play three years in college. Um, and there's really no other way around it. The, pretty much the only way to make the NFL is to go to college in America and play. Every now and then you'll get someone overseas. Like there, uh, there's an offensive lineman on the Eagles who was from uh, New Zealand and he was a rugby player and he never played football before. And we drafted him in the seventh round, which is the last round of, of the NFL draft. And now he's a starting lineman and he's really good. He's like huge. This guy's like 6'10". He's like a brick wall. But it, 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 was, it was thought to be a, a big risk because he, ne he never, ever played before. But he was so good at rugby and so strong that they took a chance and it worked out. But, it, but yeah, it reminds me of rooting for a college team. So for basketball, I like the Philadelphia 76ers. I root for all Philadelphia teams because that's where I'm from. And in college basketball, I root for Villanova, and they are a team near the Philadelphia area, like uh, probably like a 40-minute drive. Um, I, I like them because my family likes them. My father-in-law likes them. Actually, my father-in-law is such a big Villanova fan that the coach, Jay Wright, who's going to be a Hall of Fame coach, he wrote a book. He name-dropped two people, two fans in the book, and my father-in-law was one of the <laughs> fans that he name-dropped. Because he was like, he was like, we got the best fans in the country, guys like, and he said, uh, Adam Chili, which is his name. And it, like, that's how big of a fan he is. And for his 50th birthday or 60th birthday, uh, the whole team sang happy birthday to him at the practice facility. And then they won the national championship that year. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's it was. Yeah. And he and he was he was at the national championship. Like, he's a huge fan. But in with football. I'm a Philadelphia Eagles fan, but this makes no sense. I root for Iowa. Do you guys know what where Iowa is? Um, That's where Slipknot come from. That's all I know. Maybe I'm wrong. Arizona? No. Nah. It's, it's nah, in the it's, north. It's, nah. it's 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 like That's embarrassing. Up, it's like up north, but like kind of the Midwest. It's like uh, it's where they grow corn in America. Like it's like or uh, potatoes or I don't I don't know something like that. That like they're farmers and shit there's no reason why i should be an iowa fan i just like the way they play football 
because mm. they're all they're all about good defense, good tight ends, and uh, running the ball. Actually, some of the best tight ends you guys play fantasy football. You know, mm. uh, George, you know George Kittle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he went there. Uh, Greg Olson went there. It's yeah, like no. some of the some of the best tight ends. Uh, Noah Fant, he went there. T.J. Mm-hmm. Hawkinson, who's on uh, Detroit, he went there. They just they produce so many great tight ends. So I just like watching them play football. So it kind of reminds me of that, like, you know, but they could never play each other. So that's why I'm wondering if yeah. you would have a rooting interest. I think I I think I would. Like say say you're from a small like say you're from a town near Liverpool, right? Give me an example. What's a what's a small club? That's so there's, there's there's one in Liverpool that played Spurs last year in the, in the FA Cup called Moraine. Um, okay. You've also got uh, Oldham who are in League League Two, I, I believe. They're they're in that area, but there's a lot of the the closest you actually do get now is like the grassroots club, like um, like we've got our local one, our Chesant FC. Um, who are like they can play? They're in the very. They're not in the ninety-two. They're. I'm, I'm not sure what league they're in, but they're also um, a high enough quality that they play in the the FA Cup. They play in like the preliminary rounds, but if they were to win all those rounds, they would then get to the third round and could play like Liverpool, or Arsenal. I think okay. that's probably where you you could get a rather than like me and Joe saying like Cheltenham and Fulham, we will we look out for them. But those more local clubs, which are literally like based on on the small towns where there's thousands of them, they're more clubs that actually you wouldn't feel bad if you went there and like fully cheered them on. Well, because they're like they're your local semi-professional footballers that like you might have mates that I mean we don't, but you could have a mate that plays for them that go you go down the pub with. Well, like well they're community clubs. Say that say that you're from an area like that. Yeah, that ha- has one of those small clubs, but you're close enough to Liverpool that you could have season tickets and be a yeah. a, Liverpool, a Liverpool fan. Would you get looked down upon? Nah, no, 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 no. no, no. It's not like that. No, no. it's it, it's more supporting a club that could play each other. That's that's the where it's... it kind of would be like. So, say for example, if I was an Arsenal fan and a Palace fan, but it, yeah. it just wouldn't make sense because they play each other so much. But if you're supporting. Right. A, a small club that are saying the eight for the ninth, as Adam said, you, they could be your friends. Like they're not, they're not professionals. Yeah. Um, so it it comes from the basis of, are you going to play them? Is there some semi-local rivalry? And then if you've got an attachment to them, you know, it's a free world, do what you want. <laughs> yeah. And, and that, that really confuses me too. Also, because like around, around here, like the teams are spread out enough that pretty much if you're from a local area, you're going to root for the local team, like 95% of the time, every now and then people, every now and then people just pick a team and root for whoever they want. But in England, it seems like that's not the case. Like, like Joe, how did you become an Arsenal fan? Was it a family thing? So yeah, literally my dad's an Arsenal fan. And then my granddad was a Chelsea fan and he used to go to Chelsea back in like the fifties and sixties. Um, and then he and then my dad went to Chelsea games as a kid, grew up a Chelsea fan. And then when he got to about 12, 13, he started going to Highbury, which was Arsenal's old stadium. 
and then turned into an Arsenal fan from a Chelsea fan. Because um, back in the day, you could literally just turn up to the turnstiles mm. and get a ticket on the door. They didn't care about the capacity or whatever. You could literally just walk in sometimes, he said. Um, and then, yeah, I grew up an Arsenal fan. The first clothes I put on when I was a baby, when I was born, uh, was a big Arsenal uh, onesie thing when I was a tiny, like about that big. Um, nice. So, yeah, it's literally just hereditary. Yeah, so... I would imagine too that a lot of families probably are split with oh all yeah the teams. yeah yeah you can get yeah. some you can get so some how, like Arsenal how, Spurs households Liverpool Everton households. So are, do you know people that are brother and sister that root for different teams? I think you, I do. I, I like we would we definitely, but not I could name. I mean, my dad's a United fan, so you know that's uh, me and then me so, being Liverpool. So how does he feel about you? You being Liverpool fan was he nah, disappointed? He's he's, nah, he's funny. He, he does sometimes pull out. There is a baby photo of me at the United top. Uh, um, but no, it was oh. like like I I didn't really get in. I, I wasn't a football fan till I was like ten years old. So and then by then my like favorite player was what used to be Michael Owen and then Gerrard. And it's become like my uncle who's a Liverpool fan. Sort of just got me, took me to my first Liverpool game. Um, nil nil draw against Birmingham, great game, and it was a five hour drive. Um, but no, and then that just happened. But you yeah, know, there's definitely you know, couples, families that are all, are all split. Um, I think there's just so many clubs, and there's so it's, it's not always based on like you know, some people that you know, that might have families that aren't into football, they literally they find there's like this just that one moment where you then like, oh, I support that club where it's like you sit down and watch just one random game you could watch Burnley South Southampton never played having never supported a football team and you just all of a sudden see Burnley or Southampton one of their players score an absolute worldie of a goal and then you just sort of fall in love with the the club a lot of um, people I know that aren't that big into football that have a football team is because they went to university um, in a mm. certain city and just like fell in love with the city and fell in love with the because a lot of these clubs like you yeah, um, like a lot of football clubs in England because they're so attached to, to the city. You know, you, you go to Liverpool and, you know, Liverpool Everton fans, but it's so much ingrained into that um, sort of, and it, it does date back to the 40s, the 50s, et cetera, where it was literally people would work Monday to Friday to then save up to then go to the weekend to then go and watch their football team. And then wow. even now you get like certain clubs like, Newcastle and Sunderland and you know if you haven't watched it on Netflix Sunderland till I die oh it? so good I love yeah. it love yeah. it but like it's, it's an area like without getting political it's an area in England that is quite a poor area that you know the people literally like people they even admit you know they 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 go and they work their sort of whatever job they have to then just their one joy is at the weekend going to watch the football club yeah. so it's so easy for people then to go to these cities just whether they're traveling or for you for education and just like become part of that community. So on Henderson- that, okay, go on, Dan. I was just gonna say Jordan Henderson's from Sunderland, yeah. And I heard he said he wants to fi- finish his career there. Probably, probably when he's given him a few more years still. Um, there, uh, it, that's a re- it, it is quite a sad story about Sunderland. They were a massive club, still yeah. are a massive club. Um, and they've been spending the last three, maybe four years trying to get out of League One. And they just keep getting so far and then failing at the final hurdle. Yeah, and Funny they enough, built we've that got a friend, me and beautiful Joe, stadium. Got a friend that 
yeah, Stadium of Light. Me and Fred, me and Joe got a friend, Jordan, who's a Sunderland fan. I was there at the weekend. They scored like a 93rd minute winner. So I think they're in playoff positions. Who yeah, also, some... coincidentally, is part of this conversation because he is a Tottenham fan and he yeah. supports Sunderland on the side because of his dad. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he is a Tottenham yeah. man, Sunderland fan, but it's not really like as friends, we take the piss out of him. And we, <laughs> yeah. always, you know, we always tell him that he should just support Sunderland. But like that is an example <laughs> of one that Sunderland could very well get it, could be in the Premier League in the next five, 10 years. And it's one of yeah. those that I think because of, you know, because of ha- like certain people have certain affinities, like if your family's from Sunderland, but you're you were born in Tottenham and support Tottenham, but still want Sunderland to do well. You know, if you probably asked him who do you want to win in that game, he'll probably say Tottenham because that's like his team. You know, he still wants Sunderland to do well, and it's not really looked down upon. But there yeah. would be elements if you just like you know if I had just turned up and was like oh I'm going to support Arsenal now as well, he'd be like what are you doing mate? Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Now, um. Like, because isn't uh oh, oh yeah one thing on Jordan so I I I heard it somewhere that he wants to finish his career there and help them come back to the EPL so I guess that would just be like I thought hometown. you meant our mate Jordan for a second yeah I was like we of... didn't say his name did we yeah. <laughs> oh that's his name yeah Jordan <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah for that... no, no, Henderson yeah. Sorry, that, go on. That, that he that he would like to bring them back to the EPL for like hometown yeah. pride, but um, isn't uh Emirates like six miles away from Spurs Stadium? So there's flats or is by it, the Emirates, or is so there's it, flats or, by? Go on. Is it Stanford Bridge? What uh, two, two stadiums? Two so stadiums. There's an aerial. Are, there's are a bird's close. eye view. You can see. Um, there's a photo of it, and I. I I've seen it before. There's one of the pubs um, near the area where we drink and it has the bird's eye view of the two stadiums and it is so close. And I know for a fact, so when Highbury got demolished, they built flats, like these really nice bespoke luxury apartments. And in a few of the apartments, if you go to the top, you could see the old White Hart Lane. And I'm guessing now, as it's even bigger, you can see the new Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. So it's mega close. I think it's, what, three stops on the tube, which is like, what, 10, 15 minutes, not even that. But not Great. as close as Liverpool and Everton. Yeah, that's Which is li- literally a, a park and not not one of your big American parks, like a, a an England, like a UK-sized small park, like hundreds of metres across from each other. Across there, Stanley Park. Stanley Park is called. I can imagine there's been a few fistfights there. Yeah, oh, you get that in probably all. You know, yeah. I think Everton, Everton, Liverpool actually used to get like dubbed like not the friendly derby, but it's not got. There's it's not got that compared to like an Arsenal Spurs. It's not got that um, feist to it. It can do it. It has in games and obviously the fans, you know, but you know fans of of Liverpool and Arsenal so there are fans that will have fights but it's not it's not as I wouldn't put it up there with like the top five most ferocious derbies yeah, no, way. no way I think I think again that that comes from like the city of Liverpool like the people as a community having like so much history together politically and 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 whatnot that although they have these two massive rivals of football clubs that want each other to do I want Evans to get relegated they don't want us to win the league 
if you go up to Liverpool and talk to the scouts at one at Liverpool, one at Everton, they still have like common, um, can't really like common perspectives yeah, on, on I, issues that put them together compared to a Arsenal Spurs where that's just like pure hatred. Well, the most ferocious London derby, if in the Prem anyway, Millwall. is. Oh, if, I was going to say that was what I was going to say. West Ham Millwall in kind of the second bracket, and then the first bracket. If you're talking about the Prem, is probably Chelsea Tottenham. Um, I, I would not want to see mm. like, yeah, just wouldn't want to see what happens there. Yeah. But if so Millwall when, ever got to the Premier League, that would be the yeah. They the, they know, probably would have to play loads of games behind closed doors and stuff. It would just be silly. A, I'd clear what? my weekend to to say if you go to, and I've realised we need done the whole podcast just talking about stadiums. But if it's you were fun. to go to, um, if you were to go to the Millwall Stadium, which is called the Den, as an away fan, not not just West Ham, as as any away fan, if we were to go there, there's Liverpool, you go there, there's Arsenal. Um, when you get off at the Tube Station, you actually, as an away fan, you walk um, in um, basically they gate off like a. It's outside, but like an outside tunnel, like a walkway, which is gated off and you walk through. And I know there are stories where the away fans, the home fans basically line up both sides of this, these, this gate, but this gate goes all the way across the top as well. And they basically like just hurl abuse and stuff while you're walking through um, the gate. It's like one of the most hostile atmospheres wow. uh, you, you could probably, probably go to. Um, so, uh... which is that? Millwall West Ham, that was the basis of Green Street Hooligans, the movie. So yeah. that's yeah. that's that that's why they picked those two teams because it's yeah. that bad. Yeah, that's it's probably not as bad as like in, in the 80s, like hooliganism as an actual like concept in, in English football was terrible. Like um, I mean English there was a there was a um I can't remember how many years, it might have even been one year, but there was a period where um English teams weren't allowed to play in the what is now the Champions League, which was back then the European Cup, they were they were expelled from it due to fan violence. Wow. Um, so yeah, I mean it's still bad now, but it's probably like back then it was it was part of like speaking it's... to my dad, he, he used to go away quite a lot with Arsenal and he he kind of says it in a fact that it was just the culture back then. Yeah. It was kind of like what happened at games. There wasn't that kind of ethos of modern football and respect. And you go there to watch the football. You go there for a day out with your mates. And then if mm. you come against someone, it's like a rival tribe. It's like a war in a sense. But yeah. he said there were kind of like like unwritten rules in a way. Like there was never violence that would kind of kill anyone. But obviously, as Adam said, these things did get out of hand. And I think there have been fans that have died in the Millwall West Ham kind of rivalry. And that yeah. kind of gets brought back up every time they play. Yeah. What, what blew me away was kind of culture shock. When I was walking into Anfield, I am walking to the gate. It told me to go to, and I walked by a section that said away fan entrance. And I was like, what? <laughs> and then apparently it goes deeper is this true? Like they get their own concession stands, they get their own bathrooms, yeah. they get oh yeah, yeah, completely, completely separated. It's crazy. I think that's I think that's the one thing that when I first went to watch an NFL game in England, that was like, oh, this is this is different. We're sitting with. I mean, also it was like if you go and watch a preseason game, but like it, how you can sit with rival fans that just wouldn't, yeah. not even in a friendly game. Um, they have their own area. I mean, like to even go one step further. 
not all teams because you know if Liverpool go and play maybe Southampton it, it's okay you still have your away section your away entrance etc but for example like United Liverpool tonight when they're doing the uh, post-match analysis at the side of the pitch like half an hour after the game's ended the away fans are still that they're held until all the home fans are clear and gone home wow you can't yeah. actually leave but then that adds to the atmosphere right You've got yeah. a kind of section of the stadium that are like this animosity in the corner, um, especially if you get a club like Newcastle, for example, at St. James's Park, where the fans are in the sky and they're yeah. literally just crowding down on you in that volume and that atmosphere. It's, it, you know, it's one of the things about football that I love. Yeah. You know, you get that, that section of the fans. That even that's not just Premier League. That's not just 92 uh EFL clubs that is you go to your uh like we were talking earlier like your your local Sunday Saturday league club like there is even at that level it's not thousands of fans it's not tens of thousands it's in tens twenties hundreds but even then they have that rivalry that like Joe said that tribalism which is like at the end of the day that is literally what football is is based upon and there is good sides and ugly sides to it but I think it is what makes it like probably in my, it is going to be in my opinion because it's my number one sport but it makes it the most passionate sport yeah so you, know, you have you, you have sort of up sorry sorry to go on about it but you have other sports like whatever other sport that I think you can watch a game on Sunday and come Monday when you're at work, you sort of, if your team's lost, you forget about it. But whereas football, that literally will drag on it. And I know like I've seen it with like my dad, for example, as, as he's gotten older, that element of him has left him where United are shit, United lose. He doesn't carry that onto his, his week. He can forget about it and he just wants to watch good football. Whereas I'm still at that, and you can call it immaturity, but of that age where, you know, if, if Liverpool lose, that does drag on through my head during the week and does put me in a bad mood. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when, that. like, for example, I mean, maybe it's a good segue to get us onto actual football, but like Joe, you said, we, you used to, um, and like our other friend Dan as well, a couple of years ago, Arsenal would 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 lose and it wouldn't really be as, as a, as much as a, as a drain because at the time Arsenal were just sort of crap that it was like accepted that I know we're crap, but whereas now Arsenal are getting better and there's promise, those losses hurt even more. It's the hope that kills you. Yeah. Whereas would you say, Joe, like a couple of years ago, like at the end of Wenger, maybe in the Emery era, you know, you sort of accepted that this is where we are as a club, so I'm not going to let it affect me as much. Whereas now you're seeing progress that actually... A loss at the weekend against uh, Brighton, which me- it meant so much. The win meant so much that the loss actually. Now you're sitting there thinking, "Fuck, we lost." Certainly, yeah. when we look at the transition from when we went from Wenger, we kind of accepted that it was going to be rocky, right? And then now we've all been sold. Not this dream. I'm not going to go extreme about it because I'm not going to get in that camp because I do like what I'm seeing. It's just we haven't got the players at the moment. Is that um, three losses on the bounce now? Three losses on the bounce. We had the away fixture at Palace, 3-0. That was rough. But I think we were together, actually, when it happened, when we was on the train, yeah. and we both saw the result. And it, we discussed it was... It's a hard place to go, Palace, away. Yeah. The has made them into a really compact, agile, young, dynamic team. 
Brighton at home, 2-1. I mean, we didn't have many chances. It was a flat game. It is what it is. Brighton have got that in them as well. They've got a result. But to do it at the Emirates, that hurt. And then the game at the weekend. Now, I might be contrary to the popular belief and what I'm reading on Twitter and seeing online, but I don't think Arsenal played that bad. Fraser Forster, the keeper, had a really, really good game, made some vital saves. We don't have a finisher, which we have been relying on our young midfielders to do all season. Uh, and then to kind of put the, the cherry on to put the cherry on top of it, we've got Lacazette coming out this week saying he wants to play for a European club, he wants to play in the top tier of football, where I don't think he scored a goal from out of play for like 13 games. So yeah, it's rough it's... right now. It's rough right now. We had those games in hand, you know, points on the board. I said points on the board from day one because no game in hand is a given. And now we've got to go Chelsea away tomorrow, which we mentioned. We've got to host United, I think, on the 23rd, 4th. And yeah. then we've got to go away to West Ham. Now, West Ham aren't in the best Prem form, but they can give us a game. I just think, you know, we've thrown it away. I don't think we're going to get top four now. Let's just hope we can try and push for that fifth spot. You've, you've, they've almost reaped what they sowed in January by not. And as, and for as much credit as we've given Arteta with being strong and getting rid of a Bamiang, the the decision not to replace him with with you know I even I've even said you know they could have come to Liverpool and got just bought Origi and yeah he isn't what Arsenal fans want to lead them in the next three to five years, but. He's a sort of striker that is better than Lacazette, in my opinion, in that penalty box area, especially at the moment, um, and would get them the goals that they need. And so I think is... it's, I just think it's that sort of reluctancy. And at the time, you know, saying Dan again because he's one of him and Joe, the, you know, and our, our other mate at the Arsenal fans I speak to the most. You know, Dan was like, "No, I'm glad we haven't done it. It shows we're 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 doing some smart business by not just going to buy." you know, someone that we don't really need long-term that we're just trying to plug plug a hole and not spending money, et cetera. But actually that has sort of hurt you in terms of you had a cup. It was, it was going really well until the injuries come. And we all sort of knew that the injuries were going to come because that's just how football works throughout the season, especially when you get to the business end. That now a couple of it's it's not even I don't think it's that many injuries it's a few injuries that actually a well stocked Premier League club would be able to deal with because it's not even like you um, okay Tierney yes that is probably you know he's a very good player but it's not necessarily your prime best players getting. Um, but it's the players know. that are stepping in for him yeah and that's, that, and the, that's issue the issue we have right now. And it kind of goes back. Now, Dan, I don't know what relationship Americans have with him. And I think we might may have spoke about this before, but Stan Kroenke and the Kroenke family that own Arsenal. Now, they spent the money in the summer. They spent the 100 mil on young pro, uh, project aisle players, right, that are going to be part of this project. Now, in January, I completely agree with what Adam said, and you took the words out of my mouth. We needed that whole plug where I think... The whole thing was on Vlahovic and we didn't get him. And then Edu stepped away, our, our um, director of transfers. He, he stepped away and went, oh, everything's cool. Everything's fine. We're going to do what we have. And then Arteta agreed with him. So we, we've yeah. made this mess for ourselves. 
I think us as the fans have to eat it up. I'm embarrassed by the fans on Twitter that were doing the Champions League music over, little montages of Martinelli and all this. If we get fifth, I can't be happy with it. I can't be happy with it. With the situation we had leading up before that international break, We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I, I'm just completely deflated right now with Arsenal. The worst thing for Arsenal will be Spurs getting that. To, like, if, if Arsenal can't get top four, if, if I was an Arsenal fan, they want to hope and pray that United get top four. Because if United, whether United finish fourth this season or if they finish 10th this season, 10 hugs coming in. And I know there's still issues upstairs, but 10 hugs coming in and money is getting thrown um, money's getting thrown at, at that football club and they will eventually be back. Whereas if Spurs finish fourth or finish fifth, sixth, seventh, it's actually a, a big difference in how they move forward as a football club. Because if they finish fourth, they, and now there is obviously news coming out that Man City are close to agreeing with Haaland, you know, whether that, I think it's a bit more than rumour now, but Man City aren't going to go in for, for for Harry Kane. But if they do finish fourth, even if United went in for him, he'll probably stay and they can now attract. I still don't think they can attract the world beaters, but they can attract more quality and have more money. Whereas if they finish outside the top four, then Kane might think, I really want to go. I really want to go and maybe even look to go abroad because he wants to play that, that Champions League football. Hmm. And then also the players they bring in and the money they have, you know, it loses it compared to where's United, whereas fourth or 10th really doesn't affect what they do. So it's just... They're on a rebuild, yeah. They're on a rebuild, whereas Spurs, it does have that effect. And I think that's why Arsenal sort of, you know, they want to hope that doesn't happen because it's just another club that, you know, in my opinion, for the next next two, three years, Liverpool and City. And I do think Chelsea have got that top three. The top two, in my opinion, anyway, is definitely locked in as Liverpool and City for the next sort of two to three years. So, you know, there's two spaces up for grabs and you sort of think that Chelsea are going to be there and, you you know, then that leaves that one space between three clubs. It's tight. It's tight. It's very tight. Mm. The quality of all the clubs now is just absolutely ridiculous. I remember back in the day, you used to have Man United, Man United, Man United, Man United. And now we've got like six clubs that are just, that could get European places. Yeah, I'm just completely deflated with Arsenal. I just hope that something happens. I I don't think Spurs have got very difficult games. Um, Off the top of my head, they've got Liverpool, right? And they've got Liverpool and, and Arsenal, I think, are their, their two. Because I think... Uh, I don't know, do they have Chelsea again? Uh, I'm not sure, but they've definitely got Liverpool and Arsenal. Of the run, Arsenal have got the hardest. Um, yeah, I, sure. I think I think United have got, United have got Arsenal and, and Chelsea left as well. So I think Spurs, it probably Spurs have got the easiest and then, and then, uh, and then United and then, and then Arsenal. Obviously, I think sure. both, both teams have got two games in hand on, on our United now after tonight. Wow. Joe, what are your thoughts on Arteta? you believe in him? Um, I didn't. And then I did. And then I didn't. And then now I'm kind of on the fence. Like I don't think this is his fault, though. I this... Do, it's, this is what I'm about to say. It's not, it's not Arteta's fault. I think the blame is on 
the people he has behind him. I think Arteta's football and what he's trying to do and what he's trying to play and also what he's trying to build, it's just there's no cohesion with him and the transfer policy or it's like he has to agree with these people. It's really, really strange. And he's made a few gambles. Some have paid off, some haven't. I just think we'll see what happens over the next couple of seasons. But my opinion on him right now is that I think we should keep him no matter what, because who are you going to replace him with? And what's the point of getting rid of a manager when he's kind of in the middle of this project or just starting out on a project? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I see a lot of good in him because you remember how, how rough you guys started out this year? Would you mm. lose three, three in a row? We were bottom of the league. Yeah. And he really righted the ship and you guys started to win a lot of games. So I think, I think he has some talent as a manager. Uh, I just think you guys got to figure out your striker situation. So if, if Lacazette, if Lacazette does move on, do you have anyone in the youth system or are you going to have to go out and uh, sign someone? So right now we've got Enketia which is the backup striker. He's looking to leave at the end of the season, hasn't signed a new contract, even after Arteta has given him all these good praises, which is quite rare of him to do, um, which can be seen as a sign of disrespect, I guess. But, you know, he's got to play football. He's got to get minutes. He's a young lad. And then we've got a player called Balogun, uh, who's on loan at Middlesbrough. I'm not too sure how he's doing, Um but, you know, if he comes back, he's not Premier League quality. In my opinion, we need to make two quality signings in the striker area. We need some form of backup CDM slash CM and then two new backup fullbacks um, because we brought in Tavares and Arteta clearly doesn't trust him. Cedric, I know there's a lot of... Opi- I, in my mind, he's an okay player, but he's not going to fit us if we're going to try and get these top four places and then one day progress in Europe and actually play these European games we need at least five more signings this summer well like I'm trying to think what striker is out there that you guys can make a move on yeah it's a rough market I mean still a couple there's um you know you've got the the Benfica striker the um Nunez, um, there's they've been linked with Ossiman at, at, at Napoli, and um, you know, he's I can't I, I don't know how he's done the last few months, but I remember at the start of the season he he was on fire. They're obviously they're talking about that Isaac Isaac from from Sociedad. Um, but I think there's there's a few out there, then they've you've got the Calvert Lewin situation, especially if Everton go down. Um, you know, there, there's a few, I think Arsenal. If they weren't to sign a striker, then it would be very worrying because that is literally the, the position they... There's a couple of positions they need players in, but that is like the red warning flag. It's almost worse as we all know United need a defensive midfielder, but Arsenal needing a striker is actually, I think, a lot more evident now, now in, in terms of the last few games. What about what about going after someone like Chiro Immobile? You think that's possible? Mm, I po- personally, I wouldn't want him. No, I don't think he personally. Fits I wouldn't the, want him if they do bring in the striker anyway. I think he'll be a young. He'll be yeah, someone younger. for the. He'll, he'll be, be young. For, he'll be young, and also I don't think uh, Immobile works for the way sort of Arteta wants to play football. Okay, now 
I say say that Man City does get Holland, right? Yeah. Then then that means they're not going to get Harry Kane. Is it possible that Harry Kane could play for a different team in the Premier League, or like you said earlier, Adam, what do you think he goes to a different league? I mean, he he wanted to go to Man City, so so obviously he he's open to the idea of playing for another club. The only other club, well, the, there's only two other clubs that A, could afford him and two, he would go to, and they they are Chelsea and um, United. Um, Chelsea, though, I don't think they will go after him because one, still unclear with the owner situation. Um, I think they were, like, they were expecting maybe a decision this week. I know the Ricketts family, they've, they've pulled out of it now. Um, so I'm not sure who the other vested parties are. I think there's like three now preferred bidders, but you don't know what sort of money they're going to bring in with. And also Daniel Levy probably wouldn't want to sell to Chelsea unless it was stupid money. So the only other option is, is Man United. And mm. that's a, a, who knows? They will want to go after a striker. Yeah. And Actually, obviously... I could see that happening too, because especially if Ronaldo leaves, you know, they're going to need somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Which then, even if they weren't to get top four, I could still see Harry Kane going to to United because of the just because of the opportunity. Like United, no matter how bad United get, you know, it was it was a bit it, it, similar to when Liverpool were going through their tough times. The the club still holds such a such a name and such a stature, and it's um, and like to be that player that everyone wants to be the player or the manager that sort of brings it back to its glory days. Do you guys both have Harry Kane and top three striker in the world? I'd probably, yeah. If, if you don't Benzema, count... Benzema, Lewandowski, Kane. Yeah, because we. I don't think you can count any of Liverpool's front five as... Um, I mean, maybe Firmino, but yeah, he's better than Firmino in terms of goal-scoring ability. But yeah, the, the other four, the other four, Salamane, Diaz and Jota, none of them are... As a traditional striker, yeah. Yeah, as far as... Top three traditional goes uh, and yeah. joe you you just said benzema Lewandowski, and kane yeah, yeah that's my that's grip. probably my top three in that order actually if what i about, had to make a prediction what about, what about Haaland? fourth it's a difficult no. one with Haaland, right because he's not a mature it, how do you word it in a way that kind of sums up that he's a youthful player He's going through this development at the moment. I just haven't seen that much of him to kind he's of not put him end, in that bracket. He's not the end product. No. Whereas he's Harry a, Kane, what is right. the top scorer yeah. for this, that and the other? Lewandowski's breaking records left, right and centre. Benzema's still doing it on the world stage. It's, yeah. I don't think I could put Haaland there yet. Let's revisit that question and say yeah. two or three years. Haaland, yeah. has got, Haaland has got a higher ceiling than those three. Oh, his potential in, in, his, in his career, but um, his, I mean, yeah, and, and he's also my favorite sort of striker in terms of the pace, the power, um, and just the ruthlessness. But he probably yeah. wouldn't, you know, he's yeah, he's he's in the same, he's in the bracket of young, upcoming, but still smashing it. Yeah, he can he can score so many different ways. Yeah. Um, all right, so before we get to the Liverpool match, let's let's talk uh, top four again, real quick. So. This time, two weeks ago, and three weeks ago, and four weeks ago, we were all saying Arsenal. They had the games in hand. It seemed like they had the most likely path to get there. They still can get there, 
they they got what we looked it up it was one game in hand on on spurs they got yeah so they could so they could tie them up on points and they still play spurs so it could still happen um let's start with adam because i'm going to get your thoughts before we hear from uh the arsenal fan here who's your favorite to get that fourth spot right now I think looking at the fixtures coming up, I would probably say Tottenham are are the favourites. But even after watching the shambolic performance tonight, that's just there is still a feeling inside me that United can could get that top four spot. I just don't think it's a you know when you look at it, fifty seven points, thirty two games played, Arsenal on fifty four with thirty one games played. If they were to win. Um, it's still toured against Chelsea. Then United, 33 games, 54. But I just have a feeling that they'll somehow sneak in because tonight they were never going to win tonight. So they, they discounted that. It's about how the other games, can they can they beat... Um, if they can beat Arsenal. If they, if they lose to Arsenal on Saturday, then yeah, I think they're out of it. But if they were to beat Arsenal on Saturday, I think that would be a big morale boost. Yeah, that'd be tough. Um, okay, so you're going with, with Tottenham. I'm saying Tottenham are favourites, but in my opinion, I think United will sneak in. Okay. Even though United has the most games played out of all of them. So yeah, far. because because it's still because they're still, you know, Tottenham have still got to play um, you know, Liverpool and, and Arsenal and I you know, touch with, I don't want to be wrong, but I think we'll beat them. So that's a game lost. And then Arsenal got to play Chelsea tomorrow, I think. However, they've lost three games on the bounce. And I always think when a team like Arsenal, when a sort of top six team goes on a few games losing, they always end up shocking, uh, shocking the team. But I think, yeah, they'll probably, you know, likely to lose tomorrow to Chelsea. So although they've played a couple more games, the other team has still got difficult fixtures. And as we've seen at the weekend, they lost to... Uh, Spurs lost to Brighton and, and Arsenal lost to Southampton. So yeah, it's yeah. not a foregone conclusion that these teams are going to go and win all their remaining games. I got a feeling Arsenal wins tomorrow. I got a feeling they beat Chelsea. I don't know why. I'd like that. I, I feel it. All right. Uh, Joe, thoughts on the um, top four? My heart's telling me Arsenal, obviously, because I have to. And I genuinely believe... We are still in this. You know, the points are tight. Yeah. If we beat Chelsea tomorrow, back on 57 with Spurs, I'm I'm going to stay to my conviction and say that Arsenal are going to make top four. I think we've got... we've This Lacazette thing is a weird thing in my stomach that's telling me this Lacazette thing may conclude in him somehow getting dropped and then some... By some miracle, Arteta is going to change the system, maybe change some sort of weird false nine, put Emil Smith-Rowe as a false nine. He's a good finisher. I just think, as and Adam said as well, you lose three on the bounce, go to a team like Chelsea away. You've got the away fans. I know we've got a host United at home. I don't think United will beat us at home, but we'll see. And then West Ham away, that's a team that are really concentrating on Europe at the moment, could say that their, their team's kind of exhausted at the moment. Um, 
I know we've got Leeds to play as well. That's a, that's a hard game as well. Um, it's just the business end of the season. All games are hard. No games are given. Tottenham lost against Brighton after all the Spurs fans were going after us. Um, I'm, I'm going to say, Dan, solid Arsenal are going to finish top four. With I think I've got a sneaky feeling that United fifth and Spurs sixth. Okay. Um, actually... I'm close. I'm close. What do to, you think? To where you're at. I, I got Arsenal finishing fourth. I, I think they win tomorrow. And I think that lights a fire under them that they could pull out some games. I do think they will drop points, but I think everyone in this is going to drop points probably in, on multiple occasions. Actually. Um, I, I just, you know, looking at the games, they, they, everybody has hard games, all three teams. They really do. Yeah. So I, I'm I just got I just got that feeling, you know, our Arsenal started off rough. They they showed a lot of fight, and now they're in that same exact position, right? You started off the season losing three games in a row. You just lost three three games in a row. We got a uh. massive, massive match coming up against Chelsea. I got a feeling they beat Chelsea and then they win enough games to come in fourth. And then I have uh Tottenham fifth. And menu sixth. That's that's what I see happening. Um, I, I have two uh, two strikers in mind for you, and I want to know your thoughts on them. One of them, I I don't I don't know if Liverpool still own his rights. We did for a long time, but he had something with the visa, so he had a, he couldn't play in England. Uh, Taiwo, I would how do you say his last name? I would I will need you. You know anything about him? Plays in the Bundesliga, doesn't he? Yep. Yeah, I, th- I think he's still on loan. I'm not actually sure. I know he's this a bit guy of a, he's... scores goals, man. He scores goals. He's got 13 and 25 this year, and he's very clutch. I've seen him play a few times. He plays for FC Berlin. He's he's an exciting player. And I, he's strong. He's 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 kind of got like a Lukaku build to him, but a little more slim. I I think taking a shot on someone like that would be cool. And also, what about uh, Tammy Abraham? Don't like him. No, Abraham's a difficult one, right? Because at Chelsea, was kind of not played as that starting striker. I have a thing with Syria where I believe there's a lot of space. Goal, goal scorers can do basically whatever they want. And a player like Tammy Abrahams, he's perfectly fit for the Serie A, but I don't think he would suit a, a Prem team. I could eat my words, but I personally wouldn't like him. I did a bit of thinking about this, actually. It's weird we're talking about this, but there is a striker that comes to mind with Arsenal, and it's Kostic, uh, another yeah. Bundesliga striker as well. Apparently, we can pick him up for 15 million euros which is quite good for a for a European calibre striker. I know he went to Madrid, didn't he? And he had his chance there and it didn't kind of work out. But, but I think for the money, I think what Ad said as well, you've got to kind of fill a hole. If you're not going to get one of these big star players, and um, I think that Nunez, we're going to have to pay something like 70-something million. Why not pay half that and get two players? Yeah. That's what I'm saying, like... To, taking a shot on a player like Taiwo, I, I really think he'd be good. Um, but, you know, every now and then 
it doesn't work out for, for players like that. Like when I first saw Moise Keane play for Juventus, when, like when he was first on Juventus, I thought this, this dude was going to be a stud. He had some really nice goals for them early on and he was a great player. And then out of nowhere, they sell him to Everton. And I'm talking to my father-in-law. I'm like, why would you get rid of him? He looked like he was going to be so good. Sucks at Everton. I don't think he liked it there though. Um, And now he's back just like kind of mediocre. So sometimes you could take a chance on a player with upside and it just doesn't work out. But if you can get a guy like Taiwo who can score goals, you know, he's going to end up close to 20 goals this season in the Bundesliga. That's not too shabby. Um, Like for, I don't know, 20 million. Why not take a chance on someone like that? You know, you might find a diamond in the rough. Yeah, I think that's what Arsenal kind of have to do at the moment. Take a little punt and see where it lands. Yeah, because if not, you know, just try again. Try Just try to try to find that next guy. Because I'm just trying to think of like a, a well-known striker that could end up on Arsenal. And I just can't think of anyone right now. Mm. Yeah, it's difficult. It is difficult. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's get to the uh, Liverpool game to end out the show. Wow. Uh, I don't know if Manu is that bad. Um, you know, prayers go out to Cristiano Ronaldo. That's, you know, awful what happened to him and his family, losing his, his twins like that. Yeah. Uh, so so he couldn't play. Veron didn't play. But Manu just looks so bad. That's why I have them finished in sixth. They, they just uh, – Adam, was it that Liverpool outplayed them that much or are they just that bad? Um, no, I think a subpar Liverpool would have beaten them tonight, but I think it's the way Liverpool beat them um, that is also impressive from them. I mean, 9-0 across both games at Old Trafford and, exactly. and, and Anfield. Um, That's crazy. Uh, Liverpool scored more goals tonight at Anfield than Man United have, have scored at Anfield since Jurgen Klopp joined Liverpool. Wow. Um, which it is only four, but still, um, it sort of shows. Um, I saw a funny tweet which was basically, um, when it comes to the last few years, when it comes to, or even since when Klopp really joined, uh, when it comes to Liverpool United, it's almost like Klopp's on a personal vendetta to get revenge on, on, on United for Liverpool fans' childhoods. Like the, the, I guess, Liverpool, when they say childhood, it's more like people my age, um, that when we were you know, 10, 15 years ago, United were, were the top dogs and they were just absolutely, I don't ever think to this extent, but to a similar extent, embarrassing us. Um, I think the difference between when United were were great and when we were shit and playing them compared to tonight is, and what I would say about tomorrow with Arsenal-Chelsea is there's certain games in football that, form can get thrown out the window and it's it's the game so you Arsenal Tottenham Arsenal Chelsea uh Liverpool uh, Everton for example this weekend I know Everton a shit but it's still the derby and Liverpool United was always a game that you know I remember watching United teams that would would storm and win the Premier League and we'd struggle to get top four but we we'd beat them because it was just that fixture that the players got up for but tonight there wasn't that United Liverpool fixture for United it was very much like I felt like we were just playing a mid bottom table random Premier League team um, yeah just did whatever we wanted 
Yeah. And it was probably uh, I'm gutted Luke hasn't 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 joined it because it was Tiago's best game. Yeah, yeah. Um, and played that, really well. Don't get me wrong, he's been great. You know, this season, last season, he had his injuries and was trying to sort of find out where he fit into the team. Um, but this season, last few months especially, especially, but tonight, he was he was he was. You don't get it a lot from from mid midfielders anymore, where they. They, they orchestrate that midfield like they they literally play it to their tune their beat um the most impressive thing about him which i've started to notice actually just as a football fan i've noticed it more since he's joined because i watched it week in week out is how he finds players in between the lines so in between the the space in between the back four and the midfield four or back five and midfield three however it is but that space in between um i noticed it against uh, man city um, not just from him, but the Liverpool team and the Man City in the, the Premier League game in that second half when we started to improve is those spaces in between the defence and midfield that the players, they get the ball and they turn and then they basically just got to get past the defence. Um, he's incredible. And yeah, he he was amazing. The whole Liverpool team was amazing bar 10, min, 10 15 minutes where we were, it was a mixture of United actually beginning to press us a little bit and Liverpool being a bit complacent but then yeah. you know we've we've got that quality I mean Diaz has just fit in like a like, oh. a, like a glove it's 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 incredible to see he's and I messaged my uncle a few about a month ago when he played like his second game for us and I was like this is like a wing a winger version of, of Suarez in terms of the way he plays and the tenacity and the there was one point where and Suarez used to be the master of it where it would just the ball would just ricochet and he would end up with the ball. And Diaz mm. has that sort of where he'll try and beat a player and sometimes it won't work out, but the ricochet and he'll just end up with him with, with the ball. Um Mane, when he first joined the club, he played right wing, then Salah come and we moved him over to the left wing. And now Diaz has come and moved it to centre forward. And in each position, he has shone and he shone again tonight. That that the 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 assist for the Salah goal, the, the Salah goal itself. I mean, I've watched us now. Within the space of um, three days, I've watched us score two beautiful team goals. Yeah, that um, was beautiful. That man. Being one of them, the assist, and it's what top quality players do. He played that pass. He didn't look. He didn't look and think it's Salah there. He just the top quality teams they know where their players are going to be. So he knows I'm going to put that ball, and there is going to be another player there. And the touch from Salah and the finish. And then Mane's finish for for his for his goal was just so so instinctive to just with his foot just finish it in the the bottom right corner. Um, it really was a it was a great game. It's the first time since October, the start of October, that we've we've ended the night because a couple of weeks ago we were top of the league, but a few hours later City played. It's the first time we've ended the night top of the league. Man City have got to play Brighton tomorrow. Brighton just beating Spurs, uh, Spurs before that. Arsenal. I start to dream. I don't think so, but you, you never know. Um, it's going to be fun anyway. Um, and then on United, they were just, they were just, they were just crap. I mean, yeah, they, there's not really they much. They stunk to say the house out. out. They, Absolutely yeah. stunk the house out. They were they awful. <laughs> you yeah. know, I, he, he was obviously injured, but you know, you see, you're seeing tweets as well now about Pogba probably just thought, oh, fuck this and faked an injury. He's probably out of there, um, which I think he needs to be for both club and player. Um, yeah, they're just, and I don't blame Ranić because I think if you 
give Solskjaer, if you kept Solskjaer, they would be in this position, maybe worse, except they would maybe have scored a few more goals. I think defensively, apart from tonight, defensively, they aren't as bad as they were, but attacking-wise, they're not, uh, you know, you could probably give me a season ticket to Crystal Palace, isn't it? But Southampton, and I'd go and watch their games, but if you give me a season ticket to, to United, and I took apart the fact that it's Man United, I wouldn't want to go and watch that start. I wouldn't want to watch that football because you're yeah. losing, you're playing shit football. Sometimes if you're playing great football and you're losing, you can think the results will come and I sort of enjoy what I'm watching, but it's the worst of the worst. And yeah, it's just, it's just, you know, it's uh, as much as I enjoyed what we've done to them tonight, it, it's kind of sad because I'm, I like I like a good United against a good Liverpool. I like that rivalry. I, I'd, I'd love of, I'd love to have watched us win tonight, but against a United that we're battling for the league and it's a really ferocious game and we win 2-1 with a with a lot of goal in the last 10 minutes. I, I would actually sometimes prefer that. I love tonight, but sometimes I'd prefer that because it's, you know, it is a big, massive club and at the moment they've, they've been run to the ground and Ten Hag's going to have his work cut out for him and who knows yep. if he can't do it, if Mourinho can't do it, if Van Gaal can't do it, if Mourinho can't do it, if a club legend can't do it, and then if Ten, Ten Hag, the hottest young manager in, in Europe, can't do it, then it's like, I don't know who does it. You know, they'll have to get Sir Alex Ferguson to come out of retirement yeah. and, and, yeah. and manage the club. Yeah. Well, yeah, I agree on that breakdown. Just a beautiful performance, a lot of great team goals. Um, actually, I just had an idea, guys. Next week, let's all come up with one of our fa- with our favorite goal in the let's say the past five years. Okay, five years. My favorite goal ever is Torres versus. Uh, well, sa- well, sa- save it. Ha- have the video right. re- Have the video ready. We'll play the videos and then we'll post that to TikTok. Okay. We'll, we'll all come up with our favorite. Because I already have one of mine. I'm going to say five it. years or ever. Does it have to be our clubs? No, just no, a just goal that general. a goal that you love. Let's do last five years recent. Okay, last five years. Cool. Okay, recent. well then, then my favorite ever. Then for anyone listening that wants to YouTube it is uh, Torres versus Blackburn. That is that's my favorite Premier League goal. And then okay. in a, in in a short second is Robin van Persie for United against Aston Villa. Oh, and by the way, it doesn't have to be Premier League because mine's in the Champions League. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right, last last question before we go, and this has to be for Joe because it won't be biased. Why is Mo uh, Salah so good against Man U? Why does he own them? He, he does. <laughs> he just does. Mo Salah is one of those players like – just regardless of against United, the last since I think the AFCON kind of went a bit quiet and then he comes back. I was listening to a podcast today on the upcoming game and the guy said Mo Salah can go quiet for a few games and then come back and score a brace against us because that's how United are. I think, it, as I'd said, I think it would be nice to see, you know, well, it wouldn't be nice to see, but I agree with the fact of if you have a good United team, 
there's more competition and you actually feel better beating them because you're not beating a bunch of crap players that are disorganised. Like tonight was Dallow, Phil Jones, and then bringing on Maguire. Like there's no pride in that. And I'm pretty sure the Liverpool players, they're not taking pride in beating a dead horse. But yeah, Mo Salah against United, he's unbeatable. I think if there's ever a bet to make, not a financial advisor, but it'll be mm-hmm. Mo Salah to score against United. I mean, he's got what five this year against them. It's, he he it's even ridiculous. said it. He he even said um, he even said after the game when they like was like you know the last two games. What is it about United? And it's they give they give him the space. So the amount of times he, if you're ever going to defend Mo Salah well, and he hasn't been that he hasn't been the Mo Salah of the first half of the season since he come back from Afcon, but he's still been in, although maybe not goal scoring, he has still been influential in the team. He hasn't yeah. been full out crap, just not as good to the standard. But if you do want to defend against Mo Salah, well, you need to get tight to him and sort of don't, don't allow him the space. Whereas tonight they were just, you know, the amount of times, you know, over the top three ball, he was just winning the race. They were giving him the space. Defenders were backing off him and, um, yeah, and then these two finishes were, were were lovely tonight as well. And yeah, oh yeah, golden boot. He wants to go for the Ballon d'Or. Um, if he is going to get the Ballon d'Or, then I think he needs to win one of the Premier League or Champions League this season. Yes, agreed. Uh, if, if, agreed. if he want, if he wants that, um, but yeah, just uh, hopefully they'll him and Mane. They're both contracts are running out, and I think actually. Mane is also showing that actually he needs to be a priority as well to sort out his contract because they're. Oh, both... he's been he's been playing great, and they play so well together, man. They yeah. really do. Yeah. Um, rivals. And Jota when it comes... comes on as well. Jota comes yeah. on as well and gets an assist. Yeah, and that is just the the beauty of Klopp that he is keeping all these players happy, even yeah. though you know, Divock Origi, I don't think has been on the bench for us in the last few weeks, but I guarantee if he has got a play on Sunday against Everton, he goes out there with a hundred and ten percent commitment. And you yeah. don't get that from a lot of um, a lot of teams, and it's because of not just the player, but it's because of the manager. It's the yeah. man management is just unbelievable. Um, I, I I do wonder how Origi's going to do when he's finally a starter somewhere. But um, yeah, the the amount of attack Liverpool have right now is just absurd. It's a lot of fun to watch. So, um, yeah. all right. That'll about do it. Remember, next week, we're going to come up with our favorite goals of the past five years. If you guys want to submit one, email sceneinvaders at gmail.com, and we'll talk about yours as well. Um, But, yeah, we'll make a video for it and everything so you guys can see it, and uh, it'll be a lot of fun. So, everybody, have a great week, and we will see you next time. See you later. See ya. Oh, thank you.